to the grown-ups table today. We're, we're educational yeah. today. You're listening to the Scenario Radio Show. I am your host, Van Everett. Hey, y'all. It's your girl, KB. It's my favorite two hours of the week. I'm so happy to be here today. And ladies and gentlemen, it is your man, b Cub, and we're about to try to learn you something today. I think that's what Van was trying to say. We're going to learn you something today. Come on in. <laughs> Come on in, sat down at this desk, and I think we're going to learn you something. So, uh, so yeah, we're yeah. Yeah, learn you something. Start. We might learn you some grammar for starters, but you know we'll get around to everything. Baby else. steps, baby steps. Yeah. Uh, so today is about education. In fact, today's show is called the Miseducation. That is what we're calling this show today. We're talking about it in terms of. Let's be honest. For the black student, there are a lot of issues. Whether you're talking about disciplinary issues or education issues, if you pile on top of everything that's going on right now with whether or not people want their students to wear masks, whether or not they want them to learn actual American history, you've got all of these things. And if it's difficult for the average student, it's probably going to be much more difficult for the black students. And what we're trying to get into today is what are the options that black students and black parents have for their children? What can they do to make sure that they're the best advocate for those children? So with that in mind today, we've got uh, what I think is going to be a really good discussion going. We also have, um, let's see, we've got Sunseria Radford from Nia House Montessori School. Sunseri, how are you doing? Hey. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you all for having me. We're glad to have you. And also, uh, I think Dana's going to be bringing in our other guests here in just a moment. There we go. Destiny Burns, uh, a homeschooler and mother uh, who on, is a, a big advocate hey, for hey. homeschooling. Hey, hey. <laughs> All right. So we're glad to have both of you on with us today. Uh, we're going to be trying to cover a lot of ground. What I realized was is that this subject yeah. is exhaustive. There's a lot you can talk about. Mm-hmm. More than two hours worth. Way yeah. more than two Absolutely. hours worth. You can almost have a yeah. whole series on, like a whole month-long series. And just break down into different little components. But yeah, way more than two hours. Yeah, so we'll, we'll try to work it out as best as we can. But we're going to get to as much as we can here and hopefully give people some resources or at least open their mind to ideas for that, that will allow them to be better advocates for their children and for other students. Figure out what's best for them. Um, let, let's really quickly let people know a little bit about each of you. Uh, Sinceria, tell, tell the people uh, who you are and why would we have you on the show? 
Well, I don't know why you would have me, but <laughs> hey, I don't know. <laughs> but no, my name is Cecilia Radford. I'm the director and uh, co-founder of Nia House Montessori School. We're a um, private nonprofit elementary school in the North Nashville area um, that whose core curriculum is based off of the Montessori philosophy and the Montessori curriculum. Uh, we've been around since 2014, um, and we serve... Um, about 65 students and um, of various backgrounds, um, economically as well as racially. So, yeah, All that's right. who I am. Hey, um, Destiny Burns, how about yourself? Well, tell the people a little bit about you. So I am Destiny Burns. I am a mom. I'm a community advocate. Um, I'm a homeschooler. I'm one of the the black homeschoolers here in Nashville. We're holding it down. Um, we have a family of eleven children. Um, I was like that thinking because we'd be like, wait, what? And so we're a family of eleven. We homeschool ten of them. One of my children uh, is still in private school this year, but will be transitioning to homeschool next year. So, um, yeah. Yeah, we're we're you know we're doing this thing and uh you know we can do it and so i appreciate the opportunity all right uh before we get ready to get b cubs pick for his song because we, all right we'll talk about a playlist in just a moment but i want to make sure we get the uh question of the week kb what's our question of the week yeah the scenario radio show question of the week is what's the best way for black students to get a quality education in america again for those students in the back the question of the <laughs> week for the scenario radio show is what's the best way for black students to get a quality education in america we want to hear from you so you can find our question of the week posted on facebook instagram and twitter at scenario radio show so hit us up in the comments and let us know what you think about today question of the week all right uh now as you know we always do a playlist today's playlist is uh everyone's favorite song that they had as a senior in high school during the senior years like you know people always nice. have their theme songs nice. it just so happened i graduated around the time the end of the road came out so of course that was for <laughs> but that that's another Proms, story yeah. just everything it's like everything. everybody came yeah. breaking up everybody yeah, like, yeah. we're gonna just be sad this whole year is that what we're doing <laughs> anyway let's find out let's find out what b cubs pick is for uh his song on our miseducation playlist oh dude you know what's hilarious is is that my senior year uh what was the titanic and so my heart will go on whatever the celine Dion song <laughs> yeah that was the song so it was like that's gonna be our problem like you mean to tell me we can't, we can't have casey and jojo as our song we gonna have to do the tights anyway so yeah it was a depressing 1998 but no the song i picked man there were so many songs i love because you know senior year you got your independence you think you're, you're grown almost so you're listening to your music in your car and all the songs i remember listening to senior only one of them stuck to make you say who is this what is this this is so different i never heard this before and the late great dmx with rough riders anthem oh. it was a song no matter who you were no matter what color no matter what side of town everybody loved this song man so that's my pick right here on the scenario radio show okay we're going to check out rough riders anthem right here and when we come back we have five fast facts about black owned schools stay tuned Rough Riders Anthem, that was B Cubs pick uh, from his senior year. Oh, oh. Next. My fault. Sorry. My bad. My bad. What? It took me back, bro. Like, that's what. My bad, man. Bro. So 
I got to get, get in the corner because. <laughs> were you barking? Were you barking like that your senior year? Like, was that a thing for you? I'm, I'm, I may have been by myself. You know, you just kind of get into it because, especially like during the album, like when he prays and stuff, you just feel like, oh, you just get moved. So it may have been a bark or two. A little bark, a little pre- yeah. mid prayer bark. Okay. Mid prayer bark. All right, I'm not going to judge you for that, because We're going to leave it alone. <laughs> But right now, we're going to keep our conversation going as we discuss education and the black student. We're going to talk about black-owned schools. And that means we have five fast facts. And today, joining us with five fast facts from the Scenario Radio Show Research Department, Angela D. Strickland, who usually hosts a segment called, If You Don't Know, Now You Know, No, No, No. Fade away with the fade away. (laughs) Yeah, lean back. All right. Angie, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? Doing well. All right. So tell us a little bit about uh, the schools that you've uh, chosen and why you chose. Okay. So I only chose five schools because it's five fast facts. But just just so you know, this is a small representation of a whole bunch of African-American-owned schools uh, throughout the country. And I tried to get a list that uh, kind of represented different types of black schools uh, so people know that there are different choices out there if they want something different uh, for their children. So right. that's kind of what the list is going to look like. All right. <laughs> All right. So first up, we have uh, Vanguard Preparatory Academy. It is actually a virtual K through 12 school. Um, and it's designed for um, parents and students who still want that structure of the school day. You know, so you, you're in class maybe at eight till whatever time and stuff. So you still have that structure uh, and you have the traditional schedule, uh, but it's all virtual. And so we know with the last few years, you know, some parents actually need that option and some kids need that option for health reasons and other reasons. So, um, and they have a tuition, it's about uh, 8,000 to 10,000 a year, but that's for a different, that considers different grades and also um, what type of uh, curriculum you're actually taking. Cause they do offer part-time curriculum, full-time, you know, those types of things. So, you know, maybe you only want to go one semester virtual or something like that. They actually work with you like that. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's Vanguard. All right, next up we have Piney Woods. Uh, school in Piney Woods, Mississippi, a very small town in Mississippi. But this school was actually founded in 1909. It's like a hidden gem. Um, uh, and it's only one, it's one of four uh, historically African American boarding schools in the United States. And it uh, boards eight, grade eight through 12. So it's, it's a high school. Um, and the tuition, you know, it's kind of be a little cost, costly. It's 35000 but it's a sliding scale. So they'll work with you and they have scholarships and financial aid and things like that um but um it's not the only boarding school it's not even the oldest boarding school the oldest boarding school is actually in uh north carolina it's a school called lauren Burr institute uh and it was actually founded in 1904 and fun fact Dizzy Gillespie graduated from there. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. wow. I was waiting for something good because I was about to say, you want me to pay $35,000 to send my child to Mississippi? Okay. Uh, I mean, I can just take that money and I can go buy like a couple of counties a week now. <laughs> but you know what? When I think of when I think of boarding schools, I think of uh, some of our fluent African-Americans mm. who live in areas um, where other fluent people live who 
don't seem to look like us and they maybe want their kids to have some type of cultural connection or something like that so their kids can actually go to school with people who look like them and you know get that level of comfort or something like that so yeah because 35,000 is a lot but like I said they do have financial aid and scholarships (laughs) all right next we have um Austin Christian uh, Vocational Academy and this was founded in 2000 in uh Jacksonville Florida and it's K through 12 uh, and they, you know, they offer your traditional courses, but they also offer vocational courses. So uh, they have cosmetology, barbering, auto mechanics, things like that for kids who know that this is what they want to do. Um, I know for a long time, we kind of, as a society, kind of look down on, on vocations and stuff like mm. that. But I mean, vocations, vocational skills, you know, make just as much money as some college degrees and even more. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was a child welfare for 20 years. So. Mm. <laughs> Uh, so that's that's an option, but they also offer uh, classes like in music production, financial literacy, Ooh. which everybody needs, nice. uh, African American studies, and the wonderful thing about this is this school is absolutely free. Whoa! So this is something you look for your children. You might yeah. go to Jacksonville. <laughs> All right, Duval. Duval. All right. <laughs> so funny. We both did it though. That's hilarious. <laughs> All right, and so next we have Adela School of Coding and Design. And this is a relatively new school, uh, which a school of coding and design would be new uh, because coding and designing is is uh, kind of new. Uh, but it's actually founded by a sister. Her name is Dr. Lavanya Smith. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and this is a private school, and it uh, actually uh, is an early um it's for younger children. It's K through five, so it really gets them uh, mm-hmm. into technology early on. Um, and so it's, it uh, provides education that involves traditional learning, and you know, with the STEM, the science, technology, engineering, and math. And the tuition for this school is uh, fifty-five hundred dollars, uh, and they have bi-weekly and monthly payment plans, so you don't have to come up with that money all at one time. Hmm. All right. Cool. Yep. And. Uh, last but not least, this is not technically a school. This is an organization, and it's the National Black Home Educators uh, Organization, and it's uh, founded in uh, Baker, Louisiana. And it's founded by actually a couple. Uh, their last name is Burgess, Eric and Joyce Burgess, and they founded it in 2000. And they have uh, five children who they homeschool and all graduated from homeschool. And so this is the organization that if you are interested in homeschooling your child, you can join the organization and get the support and assistance you need to uh, homeschool your child. And uh, anything from uh, education materials, support networks, those types of things. And the membership is going to range from forty to five hundred dollars, depending on you know the level of assistance you need. So those are uh, different forms of education you can get, and you can get it from. Uh, a black-owned school or a black-run organization. All right. That's great stuff. We're going to make sure that we have all of that information uh, on our social media. You'll find it on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter uh, as this show comes out. So if you want to look further into it, you can do that. Uh, But before we get ready to wrap five fast facts up, let's find out what Angie's song pick is for her senior year. My senior year... uh... (laughs) This song uh, came out uh, my senior year, and I'm kind of a few years away from my senior year. 
and I, this song still does does the same thing. So it's a time to me. It's a timeless song. It's uh, "Treating White" by Club Rock. Never let me down. Every time it comes on, people are always ready to dance. I don't care who you are. Me and my daughters have always, you know, uh, like this song and stuff like that. So it's generational. And Chubb was dropping all kind of. Uh, of uh, knowledge and stuff in the song, you know, anything from Yusef Hawkins to telling rappers how they should treat their fans and stuff like that. So, uh, Chubb Rock, treat them right. All right, before we let you go, I just gotta know one thing. You said it does the same thing to you now as it did back when you graduated. Does you do you still do the same dance moves or do you try some new stuff? I just don't do them as long, you know. <laughs> After the first verse is over, I'm gonna get up and start dancing. But by the time the first verse is up, I'll be sitting back down again. <laughs> All right, uh, Andrew, we really appreciate you taking the time to share the five fast fact with us today. Let's check out Chubb Rock, and we'll be right back with our interview discussing a little bit more about education with Sunseria Rapper and Destiny Burke. This is the Scenario Radio Show, real talk with the playlist. right back here on the scenario radio show with the miseducation hey as always we appreciate y'all for checking us out make sure you're staying tapped in to all things scenario make sure you're catching us on spotify dope radio fm also the website the scenario radio show.com and as always you can follow us on twitter instagram Go to the YouTube channel, like, subscribe. We'll keep bringing y'all everything that you need to know when it comes to the culture right here on The Scenario. All right. Thank you, Nico. <laughs> because he pretty much just threw the mic down and walked out on us. I believe. He did. I did. So, yeah. All right. So we're going to keep the, the conversation going. I'll throw to KB. How about that? KB? Yeah. yeah. So we were talking and <laughs> One of our guests is the director of a Montessori school. And I wanted to know what is the difference between a Montessori school and a traditional school? Because I've heard of Montessori and it sounds fancy, but I don't know what it entails. <laughs> I don't know what the difference is. So share share with us and the listeners. Um, by Dr. Maria Montessori. She was, a, um, she was actually a scientist or a doctor and an engineer um, in Italy. And so she was, um, she began to observe children at, you know, over the course of the years. And at the time they gave her children that were considered, um, unable to learn. And so she went into the slums of Italy, which basically is the projects and the kids were running around cause parents had to work. And they said, well, here, you want to test this out, test it out on them. And what happened was through her methodology, it began to um, change the students' lives. And so then it became a more affluent uh, method of, of, well, more affluent people began to become attracted to the philosophy mm -hmm. because some of the children that were in the slums were way smarter than the children that mm. they had at home. Sound familiar? Mm, think about that. Um, but Montessori um, is a methodology that focuses on the whole child. And so you're looking at um, how to entice the child to learn. And so the Montessori environment is designed for the student to be able to touch and explore the things that they're learning. So everything is tangible. Um, the 
the curriculum is designed for the students to have conversations with the teachers around what they're learning. So you're learning the basics, but at the same time, you're teaching the children how to think, you know, the process of thinking, not just regurgitating information. Mm. And so in the Montes- with the Montessori method, um, the didactic materials makes, you know, for instance, math, it's all visual. You can touch it. You can feel what a hundred looks, you know, feels like. You can feel how heavy a thousand is compared to, you know, a unit. And so they're able to then use all of their senses to internalize the information that they're learning. Um, in a traditional model, it really is very abstract where, you know, one plus one is two, you see it on the paper, you see the numbers, but in Montessori, you're able to see the quantity so that you have a better understanding of what that number means. A lot of times, you know, people shy away from math because it's so abstract, but when you're able to make it tangible, you know, you can understand your finances better. Because <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so, okay. You know, my background, I um, started off as a high school math teacher. And so when you don't give students context, then it, you, they really are just learning. For some students, they're really learning just to try to pass the test, mm-hmm. not really to internalize what they're learning and apply it to situations. And so Montessori is about helping the student internalize it and ask questions. Um, and from your questions... Uh, you're able to then really get the full picture of what you're learning. And so Montessori is a, is a um, we implement uh, individualized curriculums. So I'll look at your student and I'll say, okay, this is their strong area. This is their weaker area. Let's push them further in the strong area. Let's build them up in their weaker area. This is how they're doing emotionally. Let's work on some of these skills for them to be able to uh, manage their emotions. Um, this is how they're doing socially. They're a little socially awkward. So let's do some of these things to help break them out a little bit. Or maybe they're just way too social. Let's help them be able to become more uh, introspective you know, in their learning and, and, and think about how their actions impact others. And so uh, in Montessori, you're really looking at how to develop the entire person because we understand that you can't just be book smart. But if you can't apply it to everyday life, then you're almost, you know, you're kind of useless. You're a book on the shelf. So um, that's kind of, you know, a little bit, you know, about what Montessori is. So did your desire to uh, start a Montessori school, because it's a method, obviously, you believed in, you decided mm-hmm. to implement it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, your desire to start it, was it was it from the perspective of an educator or a parent? As a, a parent. parent. A parent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was teaching high school and uh, found out, hey, you're pregnant, newly married. And then, you know, how it goes. Right. Married. Baby comes, you know, shortly after. First and so, man, ain't that the truth? Um, and so, you know, finally we were pregnant and I began to look around at daycares and that was just a nightmare. I'll be honest with you. Um, and a nightmare, not even from the academic uh, aspect of it, but just purely just cleanliness, you know, just give me the basics, you know, <laughs> I want to be able to walk into this, into this facility and it smells nice. It looks nice. It looks organized and clean and the people are happy, you know, and so that became a challenge for me. Um, so instead of looking for institutions, I started researching philosophies. And from there, I come across the Montessori philosophy um, that aligns so much with what who I envisioned myself to be as far as a parent, um, where, the, where my children were independent, where they're able to think, 
where they're able to be a part of the family unit and not just a receiver of everybody's labor. You know, uh, you know, I want you to be a part of this, um, uh, a part of the family, and be an, an actual contributor to what we have going on in our household. And so once I looked at philosophies, I came across the Montessori philosophy, and I said, "Oh, this feels like being at home with my grandmother." You know, like you, you know, your grandmother says, no, come on in this kitchen. You know, let's do X, Y, and Z here. Go pick this, go throw this away. Go, you know, help me clean this up in this space. You know, so your, your grandmother, your parents included you, you know, in black culture included you into the family unit. You weren't just sitting around doing nothing. And so the Montessori philosophy really empowers the, the student to you know speak for themselves and really think about the world around world around them and then be independent and so that's what you know kind of drew me to the philosophy hmm. that actually makes all the sense in the world because i gotta be honest and the the listeners didn't get to hear this but off camera like i was sitting there thinking like lord i don't know what montessori means but you and you even said it. you said you probably know more about it than you mm-hmm. think you do mm-hmm. and that's that's honestly that's that's the truth i want to ask destiny something real quick though because with you dealing with the side of of the homeschooling side of it, how much of the stigma of homeschooling because i got to be honest growing up i remember we knew kids who were in homeschool and you know as much you know teenagers and all this you're like yeah they're kind of weird though like that's just that was the weird <laughs> stigma that went along with it and now that i'm old enough to know better and you know once you start getting older i realize no that kid wasn't weird that kid was just way smarter than all of us <laughs> who were talking about that kid was weird <laughs> <laughs> so, so how much of the stigma is attached with that like how much do you find yourself fighting with that when you just kind of explain you know kind of what you're all about and your, your thoughts on it interestingly enough um it's grown so much in our community and our yeah. saying people yeah. of color yeah. that the stigma isn't there but it's yeah. funny because i remember like you Mm-hmm. Growing up, and and even historically, when you look at homeschooling, the data, the statistics. Originally, it was white evangelical mm-hmm. parents mm-hmm. who did not want their children around everybody else, right? And I'm putting everybody else in quotes because it could be people that don't go to church. It could be black folks, right? And so that is also why historically, if you look at Nashville, that's why a lot of private schools popped up too. But we're not going to go, you know, we're not going to go down that route. But yeah. looking at the private school in and around specifically Nashville, a lot of them popped up the same way. But to address your question as a as a African-American mom who homeschools, mm-hmm. I don't see the stigma as much. Mm-hmm. The stigma is more on us as parents. Mm-hmm. I see more parents who are African-American who do mm-hmm. not believe they have what it takes to teach their children. The stigma mm-hmm. for us is different. It has nothing to do with my kids going to be weird or every once in a while I hear, well, what about socialization? And then when I say, well, do you have more kids? Do you go to church? Do y'all play basketball? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. like, okay, well, you're fine. You know? Uh, yeah. um, so the socialization kind of comes up and then, I, or I'll, I'll drop the question, well, tell me about a positive interaction you remember in high school. Tell me something positive and social that you remember. You know, those great kids that didn't teach you cuss words or all the time. Correct. Right? I was just going to say, exactly. Right. You know, then parents, yeah. they start thinking about it like, oh. Uh. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and so yeah. for us, it's not necessarily my kid's going to be weird, my kid's going to be antisocial. Our stigma is more about what systematically we have went through as a people to believe that our children deserve better, right? Um, and better means private for us, right? Better could mean homeschooling. Whatever that means, we as adults have to get over the fact that we can teach our kids and that people like us can teach our kids. 
And I want to talk about that a little bit when we come back, because I think yeah. that, that is one of the big things. So I want to kind of get into the depth of some of the things that people may need to understand about what it means to homeschool and also what it may mean for them to send their school kids to a smaller setting and how those types of things work. Uh, but right now, first thing I want to do is get Destiny's song pick from her uh, senior year in high school. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I I can't say no more than this. It's an introduction itself. I graduated in 05 and I'm super proud. And my song is Hate or Love It uh, by the game. Because you got you had to hate or love us, you know, it was 05. So. <laughs> a smooth song, too. It's a good song. I like this song. Yeah. 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 All right, we're going to go with uh, Hate or Love It right here uh, from the game. When we come back, we'll continue this conversation about education and the black students. Stay tuned. in more uh, warmer times between them two. Happier times, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. they got along a little bit better at that time, you know, but things happen, you move on. You and move on. And actually with that song, they said that that game, and when they started, you know, having their spats, he came out and said that game was stuck in the mud on the song, and that when 50 came in, he came in and gave him the hook, and the rest of the song just became the song. So that was, yeah, you know how 50, he takes hmm. takes no, uh, no way out of... of taking shots to somebody so yeah he no, came out no. and said that all always time. always can find a way yeah. but <laughs> all right so we're going to keep our conversation going uh that we've been having and one of the things that destiny was talking about a moment ago is that a lot of parents don't recognize whether or not they're able to be able to homeschool and teach their kids um so i wanted to find out from you what is it that made it possible for you and what is it that, that lets you know that it's possible for other parents so, well, first, I, like I said originally, my husband and I have 11 children together. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We are a family. They all live in the house with us. Um, mm-hmm. And so that, in sheer volume, I pretty much outnumber almost everybody who has kids that I know of. <laughs> um, but no, in all seriousness, uh, it was a few things. One, my husband is a proud strap uh, for graduate. Um, his experience in public school was not the best as a black man as most you know as we're finding and statistics even show Mm. so when we had our son he said i don't care what happens my son is not going to public school that was his like it was his foot down i mean when i was pregnant and we found out it was a boy he was like okay i don't know what we're gonna do but he can't go because i they didn't treat me right and i didn't really learn anything and so i said okay you know and that gave me some years well he must have some real power with, you know, the man upstairs because I kid you not, the way that the chips fell, I was prepping the homeschool. He was three, four, I'm learning. I did my master's thesis on the positive effects of homeschooling African-American children. I mean, like, I was mm. cool, right? What happens when my son is about to be school age? The pandemic. Oh, it mm. you not. It was like the stars align. I was already ready. So I was doing, I would do something called the Burn Summer Academy. So my kids didn't stop school. When school stopped, they went to homeschool because mm-hmm. I was stressing myself. And yeah. as soon as the as soon as the pandemic hit, it was like boom. And I was just I was ready to hit the ground running. And I, mm. I wasn't I wasn't gonna go back since. 
And so to talk about it, people always talk about finances, right? You can homeschool for free. Library cards, museums, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, outside, because homeschool is like school, right? I I identify so much with Nia House because really you can do Montessori at home, right? There's a whole curriculum, yeah. There's a whole curriculum Mm -hmm. because it's really about allowing your child, giving them guided choices, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and what she said, I laughed when she was like, oh, you probably know about more about it than what you think mm-hmm. you do. If you're teaching your child how to pump gas, if you're teaching your yes, child to pump absolutely. Pump, if you're teaching your child mm-hmm. how to clean up, if yep. you're teaching your child the ba- just the basics, how to do stuff. Like my son is five and he can walk you through how to, he washes his own clothes. Yep. I'm, I'm absolutely. And <laughs> I say that because our children are so smart. Mm-hmm. We limit them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we put the barriers on what they can do. You know, we give mm-hmm. them standards and this. And so if we if we say the bar is this high and they come up to here, and that's it. But yep. why give them this bar when we can just say, well, do as much as you can. Mm-hmm. And you would be surprised. The kids will mm-hmm. do way, way more to the point where we have to stop them. Like, hey, we have to move on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Next thing. So I say that to say like homeschooling, it doesn't you know, it, it doesn't. We 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 arranged our life as adults. There are certain sacrifices. Some adults wait in line for Jordans. I We decided to start businesses, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we were like, okay, we have to maneuver our lives in such a way. But when I first started homeschooling, we homeschooled at night and on the weekend. Mm-hmm. We didn't homeschool Monday through Friday, eight to five or whatever. Mm. We adjusted our life mm. accordingly. And, you know, my husband started, you know, he started businesses. I started helping him work on those businesses. We both still are out in the marketplace working, but we homeschool and we work, you know, we work as a team. And and because our tribe is growing, meaning homeschoolers in Nashville, homeschoolers, you know, with, with the pandemic, we have virtual. So we are, you know, I have the tribe a little bit, you know, everywhere. And we're all taking tips and tricks from each other. And that's how we are successful as homeschoolers. So I have a quick question for you, Destiny. Do you have to have a master's to be able to homeschool? Because that kind of scared me. And it nope. might nope. scare some of our listeners. So nope. I just nope. wanted to, to clarify that. Okay. No, in okay. the state of Tennessee, the homeschooling requirements are you have to have a GED or high school diploma. Mm-hmm. You have to homeschool for at least 180 days. And I say at least because we homeschool year round. So for us, time is not, you know, it is what it is. Um, and you homeschool a minimum of four hours a day. That's all. Four hours a day, 180 days a year, a GED or high school diploma. That is what you need. Cool. To homeschool. Cool. So you do not need advanced degrees. And really, you can actually get a tutor. So if you can't homeschool because you're, you work, you can, you know, your grandma. This is where we pull on the village, right? Grandmas, aunties, cousins. People can homeschool your children for you. You just have to, you're the one that has to, you know, unenroll them or withdraw them from school. But other than that, you give them the curriculum and they can do it for you. Okay. Mm. Okay. Okay. Mm. And then, well, I had another question because I'm sorry about that. But no, 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 no. It's good. Miss Onseria, when you said you found the philosophy with Montessori, which, but there already are Montessori schools. So, what is the (laughs) advantage of having a black Montessori school versus a traditional Montessori school, in your opinion? Um, culture. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's culture. It, it's from so you know, in any school, a teacher teaches from their worldview, mm. right? And so, while the curriculum is set, you're still introducing and you're bringing who you are to the table as well. And so, at Nia House, you know, our staff is predominantly African American, um, and our student base is like sixty forty African American, then about forty percent other. 
And so we bring who we are to the table. We bring the energy of your mama, your grandmama. I'm going to, I'm going to love on you. I'm a hug on you. But when you're, you know, I tell my students, when you are crying and upset and frustrated about something, your brain shuts down. So you, you stop thinking, right? So I'm acknowledging the, the emotion. I'm helping you work through emo the emotion, but we're still hitting this agenda of trying to understand this content. So you bring a little bit more of who you are um, to the table. I think with, with black people, we are, we understand the big picture. Mm -hmm. uh, we understand how, if I send you out into this world, you have some other things facing you, little brown, little black child that our white uh, brothers and sisters don't have to worry about. And so I bring that energy and that perspective to the table um, when I'm teaching the students, you know? And so I think, you know, while the philosophy is the same, who delivers the philosophy impacts, you know, how much the student is able to receive. And not, unfortunately, not all Montessori schools and not all traditional schools are created equally, right? Yeah. And so, you know, you could put your child in a Montessori school and your, ch your child can still be an other, right? It really just depends on what is the core mission and vision of that school. And if, the, if that school's mission and vision aligns with who you feel like your house, you know, your, your parenting style, what, what your parenting style is like, then, you know, try it out. It may be predominantly white because unfortunately, like I said earlier, the philosophy became more of a wealthy, uh, uh, you know, more accessible to people that have more, uh, more means. Um, then as a result, you get more, you know, white schools. Um, but, you know, you can still have success in those schools, but when you're in those environments, you really have to do some other teaching, kind of like what, what Destiny said, you know, you have to, you know, you have to supplement, even in a traditional school, you have to supplement. Um, don't expect the school to give you everything. Um, even at Nia House, don't expect us to give you everything. Now we're going to give you a little bit more um, than what you may get in, in, a, in another Montessori school. But whatever is core to your family, you have to provide. And as a parent, that is a part of raising your child is, you know, what are our family values? Only you can teach your family values. But with Nia House, because our demographic comes from a black lens, then we are looking at the whole picture and what our children would be facing when they leave us and go into possibly even other predominantly white spaces. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So what we're going to do is I want to get Sanceria's pick uh, from her <laughs> senior year in high school. And then we're going to come back with a, uh, a few more questions from the question of the week. But let's get that uh, senior year pick from you, Sanceria. What do you yes, got? Yes. Yeah, so 1999, the best year when we thought the world was going to end, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was the pre okay. Yes, that was the pre-pandemic. Everybody went crazy. But for me, you know, still you know, true to my heart, Lauren Hill will always be, you know, the miseducation. And so um, everything is everything um, by Lauren Hill. All right, we're going to check out Lauren Hill right here. When we come back, we will lead in with the question of the week and find out what your thoughts are. Stay tuned. You're listening to a pre-recorded episode of the Scenario Radio Show. Although you can't call in, we still want to hear from you. So hit up the Scenario Radio Show on Facebook and Instagram or at Scenario Radio on Twitter. What's 
this is Tweet, and you're listening to the Scenario Radio Show. I believe that you can find good in any situation, and that's the scenario. This is Miranda from Social Singles. Remember, everything you were born with is your prized possession. That's the scenario. This is Courtney Hale of Knowledge Bank, dropping these dimes with the Scenario Radio Show. What's up, y'all? It's your man Stokely here, hanging out right here on the Scenario. Keep it locked. Hello, my name is Roslyn with Hot Air on 103.7 from 1 till 3 p.m., and that's the scenario. What's up, people? It's Bill McCleskey. I am the founder and CEO of My Tech Partners, and this is The Scenario. Hi, I'm Dr. Fallon Wilson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sister Wilson. And hey, that's The Scenario. What's up, y'all? This is Uncle Charlie. Charlie, last name Wilson, and you listen to The Scenario Show. to the second half of the scenario radio show today's show is entitled the miseducation as we discuss what it means for us to advocate for black children as students we've had a really great discussion so far with our guests uh destiny burns and sanceria radford we're going to keep things going uh because said he had a question yeah. he wanted to leave with so let's go with because yeah yeah once we got out of the first hour my, i had a question because uh sincere you were just speaking on and i know with nia's house i think you guys go up to the fourth grade if i'm not mistaken you're all the way yes so, next year we'll, next year we'll be up to six but yeah fourth grade nice nice nice, okay. nice. so when you have parents to say i have my child in your school and i just i love the way they learn in your school in that atmosphere do you, once they get to that age where they're going to go into their next phase do you guys have avenues that you may push them towards and say hey this is someone who lines up with what we're doing we, if you want to make sure your kid or, or your child is still going the same direction do you kind of push them in the right spot or are they just kind of you know you get absolutely yeah it, it's a it's a whole process that i have i sit down with each parent well first mm-hmm. i sit down with the student so um the student's perspective and opinion about where they feel like they would be able to learn what environment they would feel like they would be be able to learn best in is very important. And so, you know, we, we go through a series of questions. We look at different schools that they think they might be interested in. I have them call the schools. I have them email administrators over there and say, Hey, this, these are the questions that I have that I couldn't find on your website. So I want them to be proactive in the process. Then we sit down with the um, parents and I'll talk about who the student is as a learner, who the student is who I see the student to be as a, just a person, a human being, and then academically. So if I have a student that um, seems to be very, very strong in the sciences, then we'll look at schools that you know may cater to that. If I have students that are more liberal arts directed, we'll look at schools that, that cater to that. Um, we're working, continuing to work on building relationships with um, middle schools so that we can become feeders. We have a great relationship with the university school, uh, national if they're interested in going the private school route because that's a more more diverse than other private schools now mm-hmm. it's still predominantly white but it's mm-hmm. we have a little bit more variety there um and then we start looking at you know if you're interested in a charter school which most of our parents don't necessarily go the charter school route because it's almost completely contradicting you know what the child has learned in elementary school um but if they do then you know we'll look into those schools and i I show i tell them what type of questions to ask and what to listen for um because a lot of times as parent as parents we get caught up in the bells and whistles Mm -hmm. right we we look at the athletics program we look at you know how the facilities look but when you get down to what do the administrators look like are they reflective of the demographic that you would want your child to be learning under? So I don't, I don't care about the, how many brown people you have that work in the cafeteria. 
who mm-hmm. are making the decisions and do they look mm-hmm. like you or someone else of color? And so we're looking at those elements and I'm asking the parents, what do you want for your child? Right? Because for the next couple of years, these are the people that will be influ- influencing them. And these are vital years. These are hormonal years, mm-hmm. right? So they're going through so many emotions. You got to make sure that they're in an environment that will nurture and understand the ups and downs of what it means to be a black or brown child in the education system. And so we sit and have this conversation and we look at the, the different schools. And then I'm always a resource once they leave. I have students that call back and say, Miss Rapper, this math class is so easy. And I'm like, I told you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I told you it will be. I prepared you. That's why I was pushing you, you know? And so, you know, they call back and they say, hey, this is great. Or, hey, can you help me with this? Because I'm still not quite understanding this. The beautiful thing about Montessori is that I'm trained to um, teach multiple grade levels. And so when the students, you know, may not understand, I typically have the curriculum that they need at the school to help them with fifth fifth and sixth grade curriculum. So I do help them transition out of Nia House, but I'm always a resource there. So once a part of Nia House, always a part of Nia House. And that's kind of our motto. That's dope. Uh, Sinceri, excuse me, that's Sinceri, KB. KB, (laughs) hit us with the question of the week and let's see what some of our uh, listeners, what their thoughts have been so far. All right, Scenario Radio Show question of the week. What's the best way for black students to get a quality education in America? Um, Amal says, learn a trade while in high school and start a business while in high school. Then decide if college makes sense. For example, my son will have a trade and business by the age of 16. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's pretty interesting. That's important. I think it's something that was brought up earlier in the show about mm-hmm. the idea of, you know, looking into vocations more and being yeah. mindful of that. So what else we got? Marcus says black people create their own schools so they can teach their children the real history. And also, I agree with the other commenter. Have them learn a trade, learn real estate, how to invest in stocks so they can prepare themselves for the real world when they leave their parents' house. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. I see a theme going on here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Christy says a well-rounded one that provides the most options. So that's what kind of education they should get. Very few people know with with by age 18 what they actually want to do with the rest of their lives. Uh-huh. Anytime an education is focused solely on one area, it eliminates options for the future. It has to include real finance that leads to passive income opportunities and knowledge. Since homeschooling isn't for every parent, find a place that nurtures, appreciates, and acknowledges every aspect of the child while while tracing every other student there to do the same. And she goes on about the different types of areas they should be studying, Kwanzaa, Christmas, Ramadan, Hanukkah, Diwali. No one holiday was better or more honored than another, and that level of diverse inclusion should continue throughout her freshman year. So that's another comment. So uh, I'm hearing a recurring theme about making sure that there's more real world connection. Whatever they're going to get educationally, there needs Mm -hmm. to be a more real world application to it. being a homeschooler, Destiny, uh, I guess real world, they're, they're, they're really in the real world. Are there things that you have to do specifically that you think, well, I know I'm doing this because I want to make sure that they get that connection to the, mm-hmm. what's happening in the real world? I want them to learn how to live. Mm. So I, in my, you know, in my 
other job, right? Because I, I feel like homeschooler and wife is number one. Mommy's mm-hmm. number one. My other job, I work in the schools. I'm still okay. in the public school system. Okay. So what I see on a daily basis is I see our students who don't know how to balance checkbooks. Some of them don't know how to cook. Some of them don't even know how to just make a simple phone call, you know? So when Sis was talking about like, okay, you're going to make this list and you're going to call these you know, people and you're going to ask these questions. Like, that's why I said in the beginning, homeschool is life, right? We take it seriously. We try what we do. And this is the mistake that I think a majority of homeschoolers make in their first 90 days. I'll say six months. Some of them try to make school at home. Mm-hmm. Homeschool is not school at home. That is why you are from that environment, mm. right? It is not yeah. school at home. It is not to, meant to be school at home. Homeschool is where we can look at our children and how do they learn? Are you auditory? Are you visual? Do you like to read? Do you listen to music? Are you tactile? Do you have to use your hands? Like, And as a parent, I can hone in on each one of my children and, and mm-hmm. figure out how they like to learn. But when it comes to all of the comments, it, they're right. Like our children, until you get to high school, in high school, you get something called CTE, which is called career technical education. So you'll see it. That's what the academies in Nashville are for. Many other um, cities are doing the same thing where the career technical is meant to be that component. For my children, they do have businesses. I don't have, I have ninth grade and below. My children already have businesses. They're already learning how to balance checkbooks. They're already learning how to explore because in homeschool, I can create a co-op for you. Right. And and to be real, like something that we forget is Nashville is kind of a hidden gem because in Nashville, I think we have four or five black private schools. We have Mia House. We have F.H. Jenkins. We have Clara Muhammad. We have Amani Montessori, which is like another one that I think they go all the way up to 12. I think very similar to Nia House, you know, some some former Nia House grads, if you will. Um, and, and we have, and then, you know, the Nation of Islam also has Muhammad University. So we're, okay. we're not new to this. We chew to this mm. in Nashville, right? And so when we talk about, oh, well, our schools don't have, well, no, we, we have a plethora. F.H. Mm. Jenkins goes up to eighth grade. Nia House just said that they're going to six. Uh, Amani, I think, can go all the way up to 12. You know, Claire Muhammad goes all the way up to 12. So we have options. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. That, that, there's a lot to take in. That is, there's a lot. Oh, to lot. I had mm. no I Shoot, I got one that's about Man. to graduate high school in a couple of months. Can I send them over here with y'all for these? Like, <laughs> because, <laughs> as a matter of fact, his 19-year-old brother, I'll send him too. You had two before, before, you, before you guys work out your admissions process with Big Up's kids, let's get Dana's song pick uh, for her senior year. And then we'll figure the rest of it out when we come back. Now I want to redo my senior year. Man, when I tell sorry. you. Not no. Right? What kind of person would I be had I had that type of learning? You know what I'm saying? Right? <laughs> you know what? It's wild. It's wild. It really is. But let me set the scene for y'all. The year is the best year, in my opinion. Uh, the year is 2010. Uh, a young tenderoni, uh, <laughs> senior in high school, you know, socially awkward. Uh, but when this song came on, I could do this one, you know. I could Dougie now. I don't know if y'all familiar. I could Dougie now, uh, but it wasn't until a few years later when they was doing the name. I was like, "Oh, this ain't." I'm, I'm, I've aged out. Uh, but, but I know I can do this Dougie, uh, and that was the biggest to this day. Still, it's like one of the biggest dances. The song, you know what to do when the song comes on. Uh, so my senior year pick was teach me how to Dougie, Kelly's Wide District. 
Yes. All right. We're going to uh, do Teach Me How to Dougie right here on the Scenario Radio Show. When we come back, we're going to bring uh, Dr. Uh, Aaron Griffin into the conversation. And we're going to talk a bit about what it looks like for us to advocate for our children, regardless of whatever avenue they are taking in education. So stay tuned. We are back here on the Scenario Radio Show. Today's show is entitled The Miseducation as we discuss what it means to advocate for our children's education in the black community. You just got through listening to Teach Me How to Dougie. Yeah, we we're going to do what out. we can. Yeah, we're going to do what we can to see if we can get footage of Dana doing the Dougie and put it up on our, <laughs> our website. Off air. I will just turn my camera on and we can put this on the YouTube now. Viral. <laughs> <laughs> what you mean? Funded. <laughs> it ain't nothing like a good chair, Dougie. You know, you can chair Dougie hard. Yeah. You ain't got to worry about all the effort can go from hips up. So chair Dougie is a whole different thing. It's kind of in the face, too. It depends yeah. on what song you dug into. Like, you got the stank face. The little, you know, my Dougie. My Dougie, if it's that. Yes. You know what? You know what? I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> truth, truth be told, a strong stank face will enhance your dance moves. The personality if you do comes it right. out there. It's science. Yeah. It is yeah. literally science. I don't there know what y'all were talking about there. right now. It's there's, there's y'all need to that in your curriculum, for sure. Add that to your curriculum. All right, well, we'll, we'll get back to uh, stank face stank 101 face. at another time. <laughs> right now, we are going to have joining us uh, Dr. Aaron Griffin. Also, uh, to the conversation, Vice President of Diversity and Equity of, uh, and Inclusion at a DSST Public Schools, uh, CEO of Prosperity Educators, LLC, and the author of Race, Mentoring P uh, through 12 Educators, Practitioners Contributing to Scholarship. Dr. Griffin, how are you doing? I am good. I'm excited to be here. Y'all had me come on at noon and tell me I had to come back an hour later. I sat right here, too. I didn't move. I said, I'm not going to be late. Right his first day of, on this. first day of school, clothes laid out and everything for us, man. Look, look at oh, you, I had my Prairie sweatshirt ready. I said, here we go. We're going in this morning. Oh, this That's afternoon. good stuff. That is good stuff. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah, P-Cub, you said you had a question you wanted to ask. Yeah, I had a question. And, you know, it can kind of go, go for everyone. Dr. Griffin, sincere do you think that the, the the uptick in parents wanting to find these alternate forms of education or being willing to go outside of the box, do you find that it's more so because of this generation of parents, myself included, um, are starting to see that the way we were told may not be the right way? We were told to do this, do this, do this. Do you find that the uptick is coming from parents who are realizing, like, look, I know I don't have all the answers. I just remember how it was for me. Uh, I know Destiny said it about her husband saying that. Are you finding that there's an uptick because of that, because of this generation of parent? Let's start with Dr. Griffin. Um, my, my first reaction, my first thought is that it's a, it's a mixture of both. It's not just that it's an uptick with this generation of parents, and it's not that what we were taught and what we were told was right or wrong. I think what's happening is, is we're in an age where information is at our fingertips. And we're in an age where more and more of our black parents are highly educated. Like we have parents that are that are working at home who have master's degrees. We have parents who are homeschooling, who have doctorates, who have PhDs and EDPs. So when you have a more educated community and base, 
what happens is, is we start to explore other options. We start to recognize that there are other ways to gain knowledge. There are other ways to produce, produce knowledge. There are other ways to make sure our family and children can be exposed to the realities and the truths of what it means to be black in the United States of America and inside the world as a whole. So that's what I think it is. I think that we have a lot of information and given a lot of the, the, uh, the banning and the pushback we have on public education as a whole right now, um, I think that a lot of our parents are starting to say, wait a minute, what is this pushback? Let me get into that. See, people got to be careful with these pendulum swings where we have a pendulum that says we're going to ban all these books. We're going to ban all this mm -hmm. curriculum. But then you have an educated base of people who says, well, why are you banning all that? So if you're going to mm -hmm. ban that, then I'm going to explore what the problem is, because it wasn't a problem 10 years ago. It wasn't a problem pre-COVID. It wasn't a problem pre pre April and June 2020 hmm. when we had the Black Lives Matter protest. It wasn't a problem mm -hmm. then. But suddenly, mm -hmm. when multiple groups of people jumped onto the BLM bandwagon, now we have a problem. So now we have parents that even reach out to me like, hey, what's this issue? What are they afraid for us to dive into inside our curriculum, inside the instruction? So now we're starting to see, I think, more of you of this generation, more parents of this generation saying, you know what, let me back, let me take a step back and take a look and really assess what's really going on and what my children, what I want my children to really know. Mm. Yeah. Okay, as somebody who works with educators uh, quite a bit, what have you found to be the best... Uh, I guess the best tools for advocating for our children like what 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 you know from your perspective and your uh -huh. angle what was the best what's the best tools that we have to advocate for our kids and their education so i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you both angles i'm gonna give you the angle of a, of a parent of two black boys but mm -hmm. i'm also going to give you the angle of a former principal assistant principal who's currently mm -hmm. a district a district uh, central office administrator so from the parent of two black boys, and I'm saying two black boys because it's very different when you're a parent of black girls. I recognize that very, very heartily, but as a parent of two black boys in the context that we're in, um, the best way you can advocate is show up. Like literally before school starts, I email every counselor and administrator to find out who in the world is my son's deans, who are their teachers, who are their counselors, who are their administrators. I just need them to know who I am. I'm not showing up as Aaron Griffin, PhD, published author. I'm showing up as Solomon and Langston's dad. And I need y'all to know that I know some things and I want to know what's going on. And I've even stepped in and, you know, I have some privilege. I have a, a research background. So I know what it looks like when my black boys have never had a male teacher, regardless of mm -hmm. race and ethnicity. So if I know my sons have never had a male teacher, I'm going to find out if there's a male teacher in their grade and see if I can get a schedule change. Number two, I have a black boy that's 15 who likes swim. He doesn't like football and basketball. Mm -hmm. Luckily, I have a, we have a school where he's able to take orchestra. He's a celloist and he's able to swim. I had them change his schedule. I said, I want him in the swim class. I don't want him in the theater class. We already know too many black actors. We don't know a whole lot of black swimmers. I need my son in the business class and I need my son inside a, um, a swim class. And yes, the counselor was doing the policy and thing. And this is what parents got to understand. When you advocate, yes, there's a policy they have to follow, but you got to advocate using the right language. And the right language is, especially from a black person, I need my son to know what financial literacy is. So I need him in business. And I need my son to know that he doesn't have to be a football or basketball player. He can also swim. Mm -hmm. So I made sure he, he went. So that's why that's how I got him in those courses. Now, mm -hmm. from a district administrator point of view, when I talk to parents, I always say, know your gatekeepers. 
again, your gatekeepers are the principal of the school, the counselors, and your child's advisor or teacher. Those are your gatekeepers. Going to the superintendent, that's great and fine, but you want to go to the people who have access to your child every single day. That's who you want to build your relationship with, that counselor, that teacher, that administrator, who, if you have a dean in your school, that dean. You go to them before you go up the hierarchy, because when you go through the hierarchy, they're going to filter that down, and now you're now you're playing catch-up. You want to go directly to that gatekeeper, and the folks on this, on this call right here, highly educated, highly knowledgeable, use it. Do not be afraid to speak truth to power. Tell them exactly what it is that you're looking for. So I wanted to ask the panel, I'm a daughter of an educator, and sometimes I felt like my mother would parent the students, if that makes sense. As a teacher, she would also parent the students, and then as a daughter, she would also teach me. What What is it like to juggle being both an educator and a parent at the same time? Yeah, I, I can speak to that. I have um, I have three children. Um, all three, well, two of them now are in middle school. One is in high school, freshman high school, and um, they all came through Nia House. And so I had to to take off my mother hat, and they were all in my classroom at some point. Uh, at one point, I had all three of them in a the classroom. So I definitely had to learn how to take off my mother hat and put on the teacher hat and I had to see my children objectively and so that is the key to being able to switch back and forth is you can't see them as your child you have to view them as a student who has these challenges how do you address these challenges and because my children came through Nia House you know since they were you know three four five years old um they were part of the the teacher community so when i saw them addressing me as their mother another teacher would step in right so helping them to understand those boundaries as well um, but it's very important that you separate the two um, and while you're mothering other children i think again going back to what i mentioned before that's definitely cultural and that is necessary um, right now with um, the education system and I'll, I'll speak to our black and brown children who are in predominantly white private schools they are missing that mothering aspect of education so during segregation we had community right our, our teachers were black and brown they looked like us administrators looked like us to, you know to some degree and we had that sense of community Right now, our black and brown children are in private schools where they don't have that sense of community. And now our communities are so broken up where what we used to have, we don't have anymore. And so to have a brown teacher is like, it's a unicorn and, is, and, and that teacher is valuable because like Dr. Griffin said, you need to be able to identify with the person that is in front teaching you. And there's a level of of who they are that they bring to the learning experience. And so while it can be challenging as, uh, as the mother and the teacher, um, it's definitely doable. Um, and, and my children understand how I separate the two. Um, and when I'm in teacher mode, I'm in teacher mode. When I'm in mother mode, I'm in mother mode, but I never hide, 
I never bring the two together because it's definitely very confusing. If my children get in trouble in school because they're not staying on top of their work, I will I will communicate with their father about it from a teacher lens. Um, I don't come home. Whatever happens at school stays in school. I'll ask them about their day at home. So how did your day go? And they'll look at me initially and laugh like you were there. Like, bro, you know. <laughs> you were there. You know what happened, right? Yeah, well, so essentially what she's saying is when she talks to her kids get in trouble uh, at school, she said, she talks to her husband and said, you need to do something with your kids. Exactly. Your kids. <laughs> you need to come up with a school and get your children. No. So we're going to get Dr. Griffin's uh, song pick, and when we come back, we're going to go and keep this discussion going. Uh, Dr. Griffin. Your senior year, picture it. What was the theme song for you? <laughs> well, my my senior year was nineteen ninety two, so there was a, a bunch of time uh, hits during that year. Hey. Oh yeah. But, but if you remember, remember the time by Michael Jackson. Mm. All. Hey. But but you know, growing up in Corpus Christi, Texas, uh, predominantly Hispanic, it was like kind of ironic. Just one song came out and hit me pretty hard before I even applied to Prairie View, and it was the song Tennessee. Ah, yes. Yes. I never forget the first time I heard that song and he put that fist up and said, I'm still thirsty. I was like, So they hit me kind of hard and they go into Prairie View and that song was still loud and actually seeing that ambiance of of so many uh, black students all together. I've never been in an environment like that before and so much intellect. I was like, wow, this is is interesting. So that's my jam right there from 1992. All right, we're going to play Arrested Development Tennessee right here on the Scenario Radio Show. When we come back, we'll keep the discussion going. Stay tuned. This is the Scenario Radio Show. Real talk with the playlist. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you're right back here with us on the Scenario Radio Show, man. This has been an awesome show, man. This is one of my favorite shows we've had. And I got to be honest, I was scared at first because I was like, we're talking about education. I don't know how I fit into this, but this has actually enlightened me, man. So uh, make sure you guys are tapped into everything (laughs) when it comes to the scenario, man. You should catch us on Spotify. Don't forget, you know, our N-words are warranted if we do drop them on Spotify. Also, (laughs) make sure you're going into the archives on all the old episodes. Go through Facebook. Go through instagram go to twitter follow us on youtube and as always you can go to the scenario radio show.com back to you fam all right uh we'll keep the conversation going so we've been talking a bit about advocating for our kids and i know that looks like a lot of different things uh, dr griffin made some really great points about what that means as an administrator and also as a parent um Destiny, as somebody who obviously uh, when you talk about what you're experiencing obviously you it takes a lot, I think, for people to wrap their mind around how they could ever even jump into that. Um, what, what's the first step? What, what, yeah. if, you, if you, if somebody wants to homeschool their kids and they, and you want to figure out what's the best way to lead them into this, what's the first step that you would try to lead them toward? Um, I talk to them about what they want versus what their children want. I think uh, somebody earlier in the segment had talked about how our parents. You know, we have this, you know, I came up and you got to go to college. You have to be 10 times faster, 10 times smarter, 10 times stronger. Right. And I just graduated in 05. And what we real, what I realized quickly after all my my uh, debt and Sally and, you know, everybody else who wants to call me and put me on all the you know payment plans in America. Uh-huh. What I realized was my husband with his CDL mm-hmm. out out makes more money than me hand over foot. And I realized that most parents 
we live our lives vicariously through our children, trying to figure out, we want them to be the best. And so for us, in our minds, subconsciously, we were told, go to college, get your degree, go get another degree, <laughs> go get another degree, uh, you know, work your way up this corporate ladder. And what our children are realizing is like, wait a minute, my mom is in debt. And how it started was very interesting because, you know, I have children, I'm, you know, I'm a millennial, right? But the generation after me, who could be my brothers and sisters, they saw how much debt we were in because we're so close. They were like, well, do I have to do that? Thus came the side hustle, right? So they see us working and side hustling. Well, now the generation after us is like, well, let me start with a side hustle. I may still go to school, but now let me figure out how to do this. Where our children who are alphas, right? The alpha generation is a very interesting generation. All they know mm-hmm. is dreaming. All they know is, is, is technology. They're coming out the gate. That's why we're seeing eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds with businesses, and they're trying to do all the things. And they're really, my children have pretty much already told me like, yeah, I don't really know if I want to go to college. Like, that's not something I want to do. I can really just start my business. And, you know, so I have one who walks dogs. I have another one who's cutting grass. Like, and, and in their mind, they want to do stuff. So for parents who want to homeschool, the very first thing I say is talk to your child. What do you want them to do? Because going to college is still, I mean, homeschoolers, statistically, homeschoolers pretty much outscore uh, I think it's, I think it was like 40 to 50% we score higher on standardized tests than public school students. And that's homeschool. That's Makes parents sense. with education that may be GED high school diploma, right? Um, yeah. Socially, when we're going into spaces, we know how to conduct our own business. Most of our students know how to read, write, process, and synthesize on higher levels because in homeschool, once you get to about a level five, which is the equivalent of fifth to sixth grade, our students are pretty much self-taught. We as parents are overseeing their education, whereas we don't have to be so hands-on every day because that's how the curriculum is designed is for them to be more independent and for them to do things on your own. Thus, why you see homeschoolers graduating at 14, 15, 16 years old, going to college, graduating from college, like there's a system. And so I would I would sit down with the parents and really look at their schedule. And if they want to do it, I can I can walk through that process. That's easy. But the first step, again, it's us. It's our mind. We're fearful because we want our kids to have the best. But what is yeah. the best for your child may not be the best for someone else. And so we just have to kind of look at that because the system is not designed for all of us to go through. And we see that, you know, statistics, discipline, everything. So we just have to know we have to we have to be confident in ourselves. Um, I coach them, education. There's so much of us on Instagram, YouTube. We're all doing homeschool different that there's not one size fits all. And that's the beautiful thing about it. Hey, Dr. Griffin, I wanted to ask you, um, what are some questions that parents and students should ask themselves when they're thinking about uh, higher level education in college and vocational school and community college? What is the difference between your community college versus, and I, I know this, but for our listeners, what are the questions they should be asking themselves versus a uh private white institution versus an HBCU versus community college? How do they know which is going to be the best fit? What are some questions they should ask? <laughs> I'm laughing because I have this this uh, this philosophy I determined when I was a, a seventh grade English <laughs> teacher um, during the Bush years. And um, <laughs> it, dawned, it dawned on me that, that there's a very specific, uh, it's almost like a science on how certain populations of our country gear their children in certain ways. So one of the questions you got to ask yourself, and this is what I tell all students, period, 
whatever college you decide to go to, number one, does that college have the major that you want and are they known for that major? Don't go to a college, like I went to Prairie View because Prairie View is known for black engineers. I initially went to Prairie View to be an engineer. Now, three years later, I was in physics and they put that Sigma sign with that infinity and I walked up out of there. Like, Y'all ain't got no books or nothing. Right? I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm going in English. <laughs> that's what I'm gonna do. Um, so that's number one. Ask the question like, does does this university offer? Do this university offer the major I want, and are they known for this major? Be a, mm-hmm. uh, an HBCU or a PWI. If you want to go the HBCU route, great. Find the HBCU that best fits what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Don't go. Don't go to Prairie View. Uh, for a major that Prairie View does not offer and is not known for. Prairie View is known for engineering, business, teaching, nursing, music, there's a lot of things. But don't go there if that's not where you're going. If you want to go to university, and I'm speaking from Texas, if you want to go to University of Texas for law, that makes sense. If you want to go to medicine, you go to Baylor. (laughs) You don't go to Texas for that. And I know some people might get mad, but that's, I call the Republican way. That's why all the presidents went where? Ivy League. Except for the last <laughs> Well, yes, I guess he did warn you. But that's why so many presidents went to Ivy League. There's a reason yeah. for that. And that's mm-hmm. what I realized. I'm like, wait a minute, you got to gear your people that way. Mm-hmm. Number two, and, and I love that we got our homeschooling parents here because mm-hmm. that small class size matters. Mm-hmm. I went to Prairie View also because I didn't want to be in the class of 500 people. Mm-hmm. I was in yeah. a class with no more than 100, but most of the time it was 20 to 50. If you're a person that needs a smaller class size, that's where you need to go. Community college offers that. If your child is not mature enough to go to a four-year university away from you because they don't like doing their homework, like I got a 15-year-old who might be going to community college as smart as he is yeah. <laughs> because I'm, I got to tell you for your homework, that's real. And it's okay mm-hmm. to go to your two-year community college and then transfer to a four-year mm-hmm. if that's what you want to do. My wife started off, my wife has a paralegal degree. She decided I'm gonna go do law. And then later on decided that she was gonna go into a four-year university. Mm-hmm. So don't wear your options. If you want your child, if a child wants to go to trade school, barber college, beauty college, start your own business, weigh those options. I love how mom said, I'm sorry, I don't know your name, so I'm saying mom, because I'm, I'm talking like I'm talking to one of my parents. Parent. I, love, <laughs> I, I love I love how mom said, ask your child what they want. Mm-hmm. Don't just put this on them. Ask your child what they want. Ask them, hey. Would you feel comfortable going to school or homeschooling? My kids told me when the pandemic ended, I said, hey, we have the option of going online or going. Both of them said, send us to school right now. They said, dad, we can have you and mom. Because my mom's an educator too. They said, dad, this is oh. too much. Like, like you right here. I'm like, I got to go to school. I need a break. <laughs> <laughs> so ask your child what they want. Make sure yep. you ask them what their what their passion and their major is going to be, and help them find those areas. If you know your child is good at fixing stuff, they don't have to be an engineer. They want to go to a trade school. Find a trade school that's going to get them the biggest bang for their buck. I'm a buck. I'm in debt too. So if I can yep. keep them out of debt, get out of debt. Yeah. Okay. I, I w- There's something that's come up here by listening to all three of you that I really want to get into, but we're we're going to have to. We don't have the time on the show. So what I want to do is I want to get about ten minutes from you guys in a moment 
of just some bonus footage that we'll believe for the listener on YouTube. So make sure to go to YouTube. You'll be able to check out this bonus footage. It's a really important question that has to be asked here about um, are we asking our are we really what we're really trying to do is attempt to make sure that our kids are disconnecting from society in general with education and i'm going to expound on what that question really means a little bit uh later in youtube on youtube make sure to go there but right now what we're going to do is get into my song pick like dr griffin i am a graduate uh of 1992 a lot of good music came out that mm-hmm. year a lot of good music i would say it's better than all the rest of yours uh. together but i'm not gonna <laughs> for you no people the rest yeah. of you people's music you can only do what you can do everybody can't beat me uh, <laughs> but, but i had to try to pick what song was a song that i thought was a really strong one that that meant a lot to me that year and i'm going with uh, they reminisce over you, Pete Rock and CL Smooth, mm. one of the greatest hip hop songs ever created. Uh, it, it just speaks to me in a lot of different ways. We're gonna go with that one here on the scenario. When we come back, we'll be closing things out. So stay tuned. All right, uh, that was my pick. They reminisce over you, Pete Rock and CL Smooth from Mecca and the Soul Brother, 1992, class of 1992 stand up. Uh, <laughs> that was a good year. I it was. was. Born. Uh, you was born that year? year? I was born, yeah. yeah. That's what I mean. Right. I, I think that's what made it great, is what I'm trying to say. But yeah. yeah, I bet y'all that was a great year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Whatever, whatever allows us to agree with one another. I don't like how Miss Radford of Nina's Montessori just laughed at me. Oh, wait. Right. You put all my credentials out there, didn't you? Okay. 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 Okay.
adult I would have been had I went to a Montessori school, had I went, had I been homeschooled, had I went to a boarding school, things like that. Uh, so it's never too late to do your research if you don't have kids, and and that's the scenario. All right, uh, because what's the scenario? You know, I think the scenario is always be um, willing to listen and to learn. A lot of times for us parents, we tend to think just because we are parents that all of a sudden we know everything. And you just got to be smart enough to be dumb enough sometimes to sit back and be willing to take that information and mm-hmm. learn what you can, especially when it comes to, to getting your kids on the right path. So that's the scenario. All right. Deep breath. KB. What's the scenario? <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> they ain't right. Nobody would have noticed until you say anything. <laughs> I love you, KB. You know I know you. <laughs> what I like the most today is that Destiny said, ask your kids what they want. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times they pay attention to the world around them and they might have some input on how their life is being developed. So ask your kids what they want out of life. What do they want to do? What are their interests? And that's the scenario. Oh, yeah, that is dope. Uh, Destiny mm. Burns, what's the scenario? Uh, imagine a world where all black and brown kiddos felt empowered, felt encouraged mm. all throughout their education. No matter what kind of school they go to, they're learning that they are more than conquerors from the beginning and that they're not fighting from the deficit. That is what this conversation has been about today. No matter what you choose as parents, we want the best. And that's the scenario. Mm. All right. Mm. Uh, Dr. Griffin, what's the scenario? Uh, Imagine a country where there are people completely fighting to get back to normal. And for those of us on this call, many of for many of us that look like this, normal was never normal to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Embrace where we are right now. Embrace all the banning of critical race theory and everything else about black history. Embrace it and use it. Use it. Actively resist this idea of we need to get back to normal because that wasn't normal for us. Okay. We need to get to a place where we are now reimagining education with all the options we have, and that's the scenario. Yeah. Son Saria Rafford of New House, Montessori. What's the scenario? Um, I would say I- I've been thinking about this. Um, <laughs> A quality education starts with the parent. You're the first teacher. And so a school won't be able to give you everything that you're looking for, you know, but who your family is and um, the values that you have, you have to supplement no matter where you go. And so once you embrace that, once you understand that, once you're okay with, you know, you know, knowing what you don't know, but finding those answers, um, then your child is going to be all right. And that's the scenario. All right. All right. That's good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't even know what else there is to say. There has been a lot to be said already. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but I, will, I guess the only the other thing that I would add is, is that we have to, as a community, be mindful of the importance of educating our children. Mm-hmm. And not just rhetorically, because what happens is everybody says you need to get an education. Make sure you get an education. Uh, Education is important, but our children will never know the importance of education until they see us desiring to be educated. So what that means is whether that means you going back to school, whether that means you simply just learning everything you can learn so that you can be a better teacher to your child, whatever it is. 
Be a parent that is about education enough that you desire to be educated first and then let that trickle down as it does. And that's the scenario. Um, let's get KB's pick, who I completely trampled over <laughs> last segment. <laughs> KB, <laughs> high school senior. Tell us the about year, it, what it was like. <laughs> the year was 2000. We made it through Y2K, but yeah. we still weren't sure. We still weren't sure what the 2000s were going to hand us and what that meant. Uh-huh. So this song came out and it was so live and it was had such high energy. So we were just banging this because and it's still a great song to this day. So my song pick is Linkin Park in mm. the end. Rest in peace, Chester, the lead right. singer. Mm-hmm. All right. That's dope stuff. Okay, so we're going to check out Linkin Park in the end. Um, I want to thank all of the listeners for joining us today on the Scenario Radio Show. I want to thank uh, Sinceria Raffer from Nia House Montessori, Destiny Burns, and uh, Dr. Aaron Griffin. On behalf of the team, our producer, Dana Dang, doing the dang thing. Everybody's favorite play cousin, B Cub, and the co hosts with the co moses. KB, I am Van Everything. <laughs> Lady Sniffles. <laughs> I am Van Everything. Take care of one another and God willing, we'll talk again soon. Peace out. That's the-